If you celebrate the winter holidays in the Western world, then you've probably at least heard of Secret Santa, and very likely you've been forced into it by your family, your friends, and or your co-workers. So the gist is that everyone gets to give a gift to someone in the group, but it's all done anonymously. So usually everybody just kind of draws a name out of a hat at random. Now, some people will try to figure out who gave them the gift after everyone has given each other their gifts, but some people just like to maintain the mystery. And this is similar to in other such gift-giving games like having a white elephant party or a yankee swap which i'm gonna let you google because that just brings up like way too many awkward moments when i worked in an office um (laughs) but anyway when you do a secret santa you can add other rules like putting a limit on how much you can spend so say cap it at like 20 bucks or maybe you have to hand make the gift which usually in my experience just ends up with everybody getting baked goods which is not necessarily a bad thing So in the United States, the secret Santa tradition is pretty well known, but it's not the only place that does it. It just goes by other names elsewhere because language. So like in Europe, in most of the UK, it's Kris Kringle or Kris Kindle. Um, And in Germany, it's Juklap. In the Philippines, it's Manita Manito. And in the Dominican Republic, um, it's Wichtlin or Wichelin. Um, and then in a few places, they actually celebrate it on a designated day. So in Poland, it's on s- December 6th. In the Netherlands, it's on December 5th. And then in Spain and Portugal and um, several other countries in Latin America, it's actually referred to as Amigo Secreto or Amigo Invisible, which is secret or invisible friend, which I kind of think is like 10 times better than Secret Santa. Be like, ah, yes, it is December, merry invisible friend. And in the age of the internet, and especially this year during a pandemic, uh, the online Secret Santa tradition has kind of taken off. And now it's probably been very popular in your mom's quilting Facebook group for decades. But now this year, I think you're going to find people on Twitter and Instagram and I don't know, probably TikTok uh, doing gift exchanges virtually. Now, all of these traditions are basically rooted in the same concept, but the name and like the definitive Secret Santa legend, if you will, actually is tied back to this one specific guy named Larry Dean Stewart. So as the legend begins, supposedly, he grew up really poor, like no running water or heat poor. Um, and he got a really, really difficult start in life. So like the first main job that he had, he got you know the like the business suddenly closed and he didn't have a job and he was homeless and he lived in a hotel until he ran out of money and then at one point he was like i gotta figure out how to rob a bank because i gotta feed my family but then he just couldn't do it because he was like that is so wrong and i just can't do it and at one point he finds himself in this diner in mississippi because he's been kicked out of the last place like the last hotel that he couldn't pay to live in anymore and he had no money and he ordered a meal and he hoped that it would last him a while and he was going to try to just pretend like he didn't have his wallet or whatever and the cook knew what he was doing um but instead of just being like get out of here you asshole he 
kind of like pretended that he found $20 and then gave it to him. Now, this was in like the early 70s, so $20 was actually pretty good. I mean, that was, he was like, okay, wow, this is, all right, I'm gonna try to like, you know, get on with it and, and move forward. Um, but then, you know, things didn't exactly go totally up from there. So for two years in a row, he lost like his, the jobs that he had right before Christmas. So Larry here could not catch a freaking break. And during the second year that this happened, he found himself, you know, down to his last $10 or whatever. And he goes to a drive-in. Now, if you need a refresher, a drive-in is like before COVID and curbside service, people would just go to a fast food restaurant and drive into the parking lot. And then somebody would come out and take their order. And then somebody would come out and bring them their food and a lot of times they did this on roller skates and these people were called car hops and it was usually like a job you'd have as a teenager but he went to this specific um car hop this specific diner um and saw a car hop who was gonna like bring him out his food it was this young girl she didn't have a coat on and it's like december and he's looking at her and he's watching her and he's like you know what my life sucks but at least it doesn't suck that bad. So, you know, when he was done with this meal and he was paying, he basically just gave her like the money that he had, which is probably a total of 20 bucks. But again, this is the 70s, so 20 bucks is pretty good. And he was like, you know what? Keep the change. And she was like, oh my God, you have no idea how much this means to me. You know, things have been so hard. And I mean, she's not probably not even making minimum wage, honestly. And then he was like, wow, I feel awesome. It feels really good to just do nice shit for people. And so from there, finally, things kind of start to turn around for Larry, but Larry had become woke Larry. And so even though in the next decade, he would make a fortune and he did this by investing very wisely in things like cable TV and long distance phone calling, which became a thing in that decade. (laughs) Um, He literally was making millions and he decided not just to look for people who were less fortunate, but specifically try to find those people who were totally misfortunate. Um, And he did donate a lot to organizations and charities, but primarily what he would do would be, you know, go around in the cities where he was living, like Kansas City and eventually New York and other cities when he was traveling. And he would keep his eyes open and talk to people and pay attention. And he would find people just on the street who clearly needed the money. And then he would just randomly give them $100 and like walk away. And he never like said who he was. He never talked about it. He just would like talk to people and then be like, all right, well, here's $100, bye. (laughs) And it wasn't like he just did this a handful of times. Like he did this, like December would come around and he would do it constantly. And he said, you know, here's the thing. People are either going to have to like beg for it, get in line for it or apply for it. And, you know, I do want to give to some of the bigger charities. Yes, but it's more important to go and actually give the money directly to people who need it. And that's what he did. He never asked for anything in return. He never said who he was or talked about himself. He just would do this. Um, And he did it for the rest of his life, which was unfortunately cut short by esophageal cancer um, when he was 58. And before he died, and this was in the mid-2000s, the first thing he did was he tried to find that restaurant, that diner where he'd been, where that cook had given him that initial $20. And I think it was like something like 40 years ago in Mississippi. So he hires a private investigator and they find the guy who owned the diner. And he's like, okay, well, this is kind of what started this for me. Um, and I want to pay it back. So here's $10,000. And the guy was like, okay. Um, and then from there, he had a friend who was like a police officer or a patrol officer. I don't know. And he said, you know, I I need to know that somebody's going to carry this on. And you see a lot of people who are like destitute. You see people who are in trouble, who are in need. Um, and I need to know that you can give 
them this money and carry on this tradition which at this point people were like it's the secret santa because he always did around thanksgiving i mean around um, christmas and so his friend is like uh, gee i don't know you should just give the money to organizations and he's like no 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 you have to do it and so he's like if you don't get it i'm gonna show you and he took him around and he like you know they found a woman at the laundromat and talked to her and she needed a new washing machine because her husband was like you know unable to leave his bed and you know she had to like find somebody to try to watch him so that she could go to the laundromat because their washing machine broke and then he was like i'm gonna give you a hundred dollars to go towards that washing machine and he would just do this and so finally the friend gets it he's like okay i get it you do have to like go and find these people and give them this money and so that's kind of how that started like he started training his like people who were also in his job and then you know he told this guy like you know all right, like your legend will carry on. We'll keep doing this in your name. So right before he dies, some tabloid writer apparently figured out who he was and wanted to do this big expose. And so this guy, Larry Dean Stewart, came out and said, okay, fine, I'm the secret Santa. I've been doing this for 30 years. It's me. Um, And mostly the reason I think people wanted to talk about it was this was in like 2005, 2006. And right after 9-11, he had gone to New York City and given out $25,000 $25,000 in $100 bills to people on the streets of New York. And I think that was the kind of like what really got people and like they wanted to find out who this man was um, and like identify him. So he was like, okay. Um, and apparently on his deathbed, he told this friend, you know, I just wish that I could have done more for people. I wish I could have helped more people. And this is a man who was dying after 35 some odd years of giving away money that totaled 1.3 million was what he had given to people and like donated to to organizations and things and that's like and for him to have done that and then not feel like that's enough kind of just i think exemplifies like what this was really about and i don't know i just feel like especially now when it feels like there's no kindness in the world and people are just selfish and they don't do anything for anybody other than themselves and they're scared and they're in panic mode and they're like bulk buying everything and not leaving enough toilet paper for anybody else because they're scared i mean it just I don't know. It it was kind of a nice story to hear this. It was kind of nice to hear about this. And it made me realize that actually one of the things that I think about a lot and that I regret is that especially this time of year when I see a lot of people in need, especially in my community, um, I wish I made enough money to give away that, like a lot of money. And I mean, I'm not trying to be like, I'm so altruistic, but I know that like, I always feel like when I can do that, I know how much it matters because I know what it's like having been on the other side for so much of my life. I know what a big deal it is. I know that if, you know, when people have done things like that for me and I have been somebody who has been very lucky in my life to be on the receiving end of people's kindness um, with like no strings attached kindness so many times in my life. And I've been able to do that, you know, not enough to give it back, to pay it forward. And I really, I mean, just putting it out into the universe, like, you know, that's something to work toward. You know, I, I, I think that especially now I think about how people are, the level of suffering and struggling is kind of unparalleled for a lot of people. And I think that any way you can kind of do something, even if it feels really small, it's something. And sometimes just that one little small thing you do makes a huge difference. Cause even though, you know, the thing that's so remarkable to me about this is that until he like came forward and everybody figured out what his deal was, 
it was like he was just having these little personal interactions with people. And so all these people, like hundreds of thousands, probably thousands of people that he encountered in his life who he gave that hundred dollars to, they probably just thought that they were like the one, you know, this one random person he did this for. You know, they didn't know that this was like something that he did a lot. Um, And I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of somebody's incredible gift and kindness. And I imagine and I hope that he did you know, die with some sense of having done something really good with his time on earth. And I think that that's, that's all we can ever hope to do at any time of year, but especially at this time of year when things are really hard. And yes, we do need to look out for our own, but we also need to just remember to look out for each other.